All right. So just to start out here, um, I loved what Ricardo said again. Um, it's so good. Uh, just it really, there's different things in there that the Lord is speaking that spoke through him this morning that kind of goes with what I've been, what I have here this morning. So just to, just to talk about church, what I'm talking about this morning. And um, how many of you guys have ever approached church at some point in your life um, like you're buying something? Like you're shopping? <laughs> I've done that, right? Um, I just have a story about that. About seven, six, seven years ago, I was coming back to back to the Lord after really running away from Him and the church, um, running the opposite direction. And and Lynn and I um, were visiting a couple different places and visiting uh, Vineyard Northwest and Coleraine. And I was just there, you know, and, and I walked in there, and it, it was awesome. And the Holy Spirit was really moving, and it felt like, like a home when I first walked in there. It felt like uh, there was something there that the Holy Spirit was calling me to. But I met Van Cochran for the first time. He's a senior pastor there. Um, he came over, and, you know, he's awesome at, at really, you know, the room of 300 people, finding those people that uh, he's never seen before or haven't seen in a while and coming over and saying something to them. And so, you know, he just introduced himself, asked some questions, asked, you know, what brought us there. And, you know, I, I made this really stupid comment to him. I said, well, you know, we're just shopping around for a, for a church, you know, like kind of thing. And then he, you know, like he, didn't, he wasn't phased by it at all. And uh, he's like, well, glad you're here, you know, that kind of thing, and kept talking. And then, and then he left, and then I was like thinking, why did I say that? <laughs> like, that's not, that's not something I normally say. That's not something. But then it, it caused something inside of me to dialogue with the Lord and say, well, what was that? What came up inside of me that, why am I approaching church like it's a product and I need to shop on it, you know, like and find out what the best, the best product is for me? Um, as if I have a choice on where I go to church. <laughs> like, like the Holy Spirit's going to tell me where I'm going to go for sure. Um, but, you know, thinking about that, like we, uh, we sometimes we shop. We, we take church. We take different things and kind of like look at it as if we're buying a ticket to our favorite show or band or something like that. And, and I'm not going to talk about Christian consumerism. I'll leave that to Parker. He's probably going to probably has feelings on it even stronger than I do. And, but I, I do value um, when church is done well for the sake of the people, right? For the sake of the body. Um, when it's a place where there's a facilitating of very easily stepping into the presence of the Lord. And it's a hard thing to do that, actually, to, to prepare that, to, to work together as a team, to, to make the, the easiest space to step in before the Lord when somebody wants to. It's, it's a good thing. Um, I think when we get into a mode of uh, production or trying to, uh, to just put on a show, we're going in the wrong direction, right? And then it becomes about who's doing the best show, and we don't want to go that, down that road. But, um, it's, you know, something that's really important is that church is never supposed to be, we are never supposed to be an audience. Amen. Right? We're never supposed to be an audience. We, we are the church. Right. We're not just sitting and watching. We're not just, uh, you know, and, and writing our thoughts about, something, you know, that song wasn't my favorite song or something like that. We, we are part of it. We are engaging. We are the church. And so um, what I want to talk to you guys about this morning is just um, church itself and, and, and the different functions, three different functions of the church. Church is, is 
made to function in different ways. First as a family, second as a hospital, and thirdly as an army. And so that's what I want to talk about this morning. When we, when we come to Christ, when we come in, when we uh, choose to, to say yes to him, we're born again, and we come into this space with other people, we come and you know, give our lives to Jesus, we, we come to Christ, we come to his church, and we come to his cause. We come to Christ, we come to his church, and we come to his cause. And so as new creations, I think that we're supposed to participate in all three of those things, relationship with God, relationship with each other, and relationship to the world. And so before I dive in, let me just pray real quick. So Jesus, we thank you for this morning. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for, I thank you for every person in this room, anybody watching online, God. And I thank you for the churches all around this city that are meeting today or this week, God. Jesus, I ask that you would come in. Come into your church. Fill up your church with your presence, God. Come, Holy Spirit. Reclaim spaces, God. Reclaim hearts. Wake us up this morning, God. Attune us to your voice and your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. So again, when we give our lives to Jesus, we enter into relationship with him, his people, and the things that he's about, right? The things that he is about. Um, we set, we're set on a course to continue his ministry to the world um, around us, and we do that together, not just one person on their own, but together. So this morning, I'm going to talk about those three primary functions, not just of this church, but as the, the church as a whole, capital C Church at large, and what it looks like here in Oxford Vineyard. Um, but before I begin to talk about each of those functions, I just want to show you guys this kind of chart thing that um, I, I came up with, took a little bit from guy named Alexander Venter, and then Bree made it really nice for us here. So if you see that, um, that chart there, kind of when you come to Jesus, something happens. You know, first, maybe you're introduced to Jesus by your spouse <laughs> or by a friend or, or something. Maybe this, you're crying out for help and God shows up, right? And then at some point on your walk, hopefully, somebody introduces you to a small group or maybe invites you to a Sunday morning service or something during the week or some other ministry type event, right? Some relational event, something like that. So you're coming from the world and you're coming into relationship, right? And in that place, there's relationship building. There's, uh, there's different things. Like I said, Sunday morning, small group, different things like that, other kind of events. And so there's, there's building relationships here. As we continue on, you know, maybe we start going to church, we find, we find that space that, that the Lord is calling us to that feels like you come alive or you feel like home, and, 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 and it continues, relationships continue to build. These are the people you want to be with, right? You want to be around them, um, you know. Uh, you enjoy spending time with these people, and you enjoy the pursuit, the direction that people are going in their pursuit of Jesus, and you want to go on a journey with them towards Jesus in that way. And so you become not just a visitor or a, a, a regular guest, but you become somebody who's part of this. Like you become part of the family, right? You begin to share with them. You begin to go deeper in your lives together. And, and, and then, you know, maybe you take a class. Maybe you join a, the membership thing, something like that, depending on different kinds of churches and what that looks like. And you just go 
become more and more part of the family. And, and then you begin to serve and volunteer and, and give yourself because it's not just about you anymore, right? You're now you're part of this family, and you're, so you're giving and you're receiving from, from others, right? And then, and then, you know, you're leading or you're, you're, you're taking ownership in the thing, right? It's become part of your DNA, and actually you're joined to it, and it's, it's part of who you are. And then multiplication happens, right? And then you give away everything that you've received, hopefully. That's, that's the hope, and that's the journey. When it's healthy, it goes through those stages, and that's a good thing. We want, we want to go through those stages. It's, it's important. And so then you come, you come through that, and then you go out to the world, right? And, and give away all those things and, and give away relationship and bring people into relationship. It's really, really good. You're sent to make more families, right? That kind of thing. And so for this, you know, for a way for this to happen, the church has to function in these different areas. It has to function as a family. It has to function as a hospital. It has to function as an army. And so I want to continue to talk about the stuff this morning, what that looks like. First, the church is called to function. First and always, the church is called to function as a family. Um, the body, the bride, called to fellowship and community. That's what we're called to. That's what we're part of. Ephesians 2, 19 through 20, Paul is likening the church family to a temple where God's presence rests, where he dwells, where God is ruling and reigning from. and He's there. He's living there. So Ephesians 2, 19 through 20, so you're not foreigners or guests. You are the children of the city of the Holy Ones with all rights as family members of the household of God. You are rising like the perfectly fitted stones of the temple, and, you have, and your lives have been built together upon the foundation laid by apostles and prophets. And best of all, you're connected to the head cornerstone of the building, the anointed one, Jesus Christ himself. Jesus himself has knitted us together. He's knitted us together as a family, as perfectly fitted stones at a place that he fills up. First Corinthians, Paul continues. In First Corinthians, he said, in First Corinthians 12, 12 through 27, I'm going to hop around in here a little bit because there's a lot of verses there. But he says, just as a body, though one has many parts, so it is with Christ. Even so, the body is not made up of one, but of many. In fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be, just as he wanted them to be. As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it. So that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers. If one part's honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. The church is called to be a family, a place of adoption, a place where the father's heart surrounds his sons and daughters, a home where there's no stranger, a family where outsiders are welcomed in and can become more, where compassion and mercy are readily available for all who enter in. When we come into relationship with God, we come into the family of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we become part of his family and we begin to do things with him because we're his children. We carry his name. And the basic needs for friendship, for fellowship and community can be met when the church functions as a family. 
called to function as a family. Nobody should be able to out-community, out-family the church. We should be the, actually the best at it <laughs> as a whole. Not, you know, we should be the best at it. And so we should be an inviting, welcoming place. And so what, that, what does that look like for the Oxford Vineyard family? Well, it looks like many families <laughs> together as one big family on a mission together, going in a direction together. And we want you to feel welcome here. We want you to be part of this family. We're not going to force it on anybody. That'd be crazy. We're not going to force family on anybody. But we want you to come. You can visit anytime. You can, we'll take you to eat afterwards. <laughs> we welcome, with, welcome you with our open arms, and we want you to come be part of it. We have a place for you. We have things for you to do if you want to. So the church also needs to function as a hospital where healing, reconciliation, restoration, and deliverance happens. Luke 5, Jesus is talking to, to the people and, and talking to the leaders, and, and he says in 5, 31 through 32, he answered them, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I've come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners and need to repent. Jesus is the great physician. He's the healer. He's the one who brings deliverance and freedom. Paul says in Galatians 6, 1 through 2, Brothers and sisters, if anyone's caught in sin, you who are spiritual, that is, you who are responsive to the guidance of the Spirit, are to restore such a person in spirit of gentleness. Carry one another's burdens, and this way you'll fulfill the requirement of the law. That is the law of love. In 2 Corinthians, Paul can, says, 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 19, and God has made all things new and reconciled us to himself and given us the ministry of reconciling others to God. In other words, it was the, the, through the anointed one that God was shepherding the world, not even keeping records of their transgressions. He has entrusted us to the ministry of opening the door of reconciliation to God. That's the ministry that we have as the hospital, is reconciling people to the love of God. God has turned towards them. He's inviting them in. He wants to heal them. And we do that in gentleness. We do that in love. The church is a hospital for the broken, the hurting, and the lost, where Christ is the great physician, a place where we, we tend and we serve one another. We take care of one another. Where we mourn with those who mourn. A place where compassion flows and new things can be birthed. Right? The hospital birth, new things are birthed in a hospital. In all truth, we probably have all felt at one time or have, have been wounded. Maybe we felt defective in one manner or another. It's important that people can come to the church, come to the meeting place, and give the Lord time to do open heart surgery. We, we all need that in times of our lives. We need that open heart surgery and to bind up gaping wounds, to clean things out, to repair broken places. God wants to meet people wherever they are. He doesn't need them to be healed or be perfect before coming to him. He goes and meets them where they are. He desires to bring healing, reconciliation, restoration, and deliverance through us, through you and I. When we function as a hospital, the Holy Spirit partners with us. He comes alongside us to meet basic physical needs, emotional needs, and spiritual needs in the lives of people around us. And then people can be released and they can go out whole and healthy and restored and move on to more of what God has for them. We live in this tension, right? 
between the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of heaven, and there's a battle. We wake up every morning, whether we like it or not, until Jesus comes back. We wake up on a battlefield. It's not going to end until Jesus comes back. So we have to get comfortable with that idea that we wake up on this every day. Um, and there's a tension there. But sadly, in, in this time of conflict that we're in, uh, you know, many are ser seriously wounded to friendly fire. We can hurt each other a lot too, right? Like the place that's supposed to be the most healing, the most love, can also be the place of most woundedness, right? Because we're people who uh, aren't, aren't perfect yet. <laughs> and so we, uh, we can hurt each other pretty bad sometimes, right? But, but we want to be a place where, where those things can be restored, where healing can happen, where the wounded can be rehabilitated and nursed back to a healthy state of life and given a new mission, a new, a new vision, renewed vision. Sometimes we experience burnout. Who's experienced burnout in their life? I've experienced burnout. <laughs> yeah, what's your time? Sometimes you can't even read or listen to a message. You don't want to even do anything, right? Like, and in those spaces, you just want to stay home. And I understand that. That's, that's totally understand, understandable. We can't camp out there. Sometimes we need a day off. We just need a, we just need a morning off or an evening off. That's totally understandable. But we can't camp out in that place, in that place of burnout. I know the feeling when you're just tired and you want to, want to not do anything. But there's no shame for exp experiencing burnout. If you're experiencing burnout even right now, there's no shame. Okay? There's no shame at all. But I believe uh, the place to get healed and filled back up is actually in the presence of others, worshiping the Lord together, even if it's a small group, even if it's just like three people playing a guitar, somebody's playing a guitar, just together. That's the place where we get most filled and, and renewed and restored. And so I encourage you to allow church to be a hospital if you need that. If we don't, we can become dry, we can become bitter, asleep, and useless. I love this. this is a John Wimber quote. He said, uh, now some people are in the army and we're actually in the hospital at the same time. Remember, the church is supposed to be an army, a hospital, and a family. Sometimes more people are hospitalized than not. People get shot up. Or some people are back in school getting retrained because something happened that blocked off their ministry. Maybe they needed... Uh, needed to step past something, and that's okay. They're, they aren't absent without leave. They're being retooled to go back in, and you need to know that. They need to know that it's okay to be in the hospital or just be in the family. But it's not a, okay to live in that space permanently. Eventually, we have to get you fielded to go back out. From John Wimber, that's what he said. And so what, that, what does that look like at Oxford Vineyard? This church wasn't started by uh, a group of young hippies coming to Jesus, hanging out. Maybe the first Oxford Vineyard was, I don't know. <laughs> At the same time, you know, it was, it was formed out of families. It was formed out of this, this thing that was forged in the heart of John and Kim and others, um, that the Lord was doing something new and, and, um, and was formed out of the, maybe some of the rubble from other families, formed from people who had been hurt, maybe from churches and other ministries, right? Um, but people who would not opt out. They weren't going to opt out and just say, I'm done with that. I'm not going to do this anymore. It's people who would come together to seek Jesus and, and, and in time be healed. This church is full of people who have learned that they need healing. It's a good thing. And so it's become a place where others can come and be healed. 
and where new leaders can be birthed. At Oxford Vineyard, you don't have to be part of the family to be healed. There's healing even if you're not part of this family. The Lord wants to do it here. He's here to do it. But if you are part of the family, if you are part of the family, you have to get healed. Okay? If you are part of the family, you have to get healed. You have to receive it. And so, yeah, we have to function as an army as well because we're called to his cause and we're called to his mission. So that means we get to be trained. We need to get equipped and empowered and sent, commissioned. Not surprising what the, the Old Testament talks about armies, you know, armies of Israel all the time. And the New Testament is only used one time. Um, but Paul refers to the believer's walk as warriors many times. Um, Jesus says to Peter in Matthew, verse, uh, chapter 16, verse 8, it said, Upon this rock, the knowledge of who Jesus is, I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. When we come to Christ, we come to his church, we come to his family, we come to his cause. I'm not talking about human soldiers fighting other humans, right? We're talking about, well, Jesus and Paul were both very clear about that. Um, we're talking about a salvation army, an army who's coming against spiritual forces, um, kingdom of darkness, demonic forces in heavenly realms that exalt themselves and their ideas over the knowledge of Jesus. That's what we're fighting against. And we're, we're drafted into his cause to, to displace those things. We're sent on his mission, and we need to know what that is, and that's to bring the whole world into relationship with him. And to bring them into relationship with the Father. We're called to go to the unchurched, those in the world, and meet them where they are. Not wait for them to come to us, to go where they are. It's about his people becoming the expression of Jesus Christ on the earth. That's the mission. Care for the sick, heal them, set people free, preach good news. We are an army of the kingdom of God, which means we carry the heaviest artillery. Do you know what that is? The heaviest artillery? Love and relationship. Those are the heaviest artillery. That's, that's our weapons. Laying down our lives everywhere we go. An army based on the basic tasks of training and, and, and deploying. We're about training up servants, people who, people who are known for their love. I want to be known for my love. I want Oxford Vineyard to be known for love. I want people to talk about us in Oxford and say, man, those people love people really well. I want to hear that. <laughs> people known for their love, walking in the fullness of their identity and relationship with God. John Wimber also used to say, let's become very intentional about meeting as many people as we possibly can with the expectation that at some point we'll be able to introduce them to Jesus. We're all about taking the words of Jesus literally when he says, go do this stuff. It should be perplexing to us, this is still John Wimber, it should be perplexing to us when we talk to believers who aren't doing the stuff Jesus told us to do, going out, healing the sick, caring for the poor, sharing the good news, bringing life to those around us. Did you say yes to Jesus? Did you mean yes? Then you're in. Go do it. That's what he's saying. Go do it. The church is not an audience. It's an army. Amen. Unfortunately, much of the way that the church has been programmed is as is is if the Spirit of God just resided on a few primary pastors, priests, or leaders. 
And the, the reality is that he would reside in every believer and rest upon, empower every believer. John Wimber was all about that. That's what the vineyard is all about. And, and, and churches who get that focus on, focus on developing, on empowering and releasing their members to do things, to do the things. The greatest ministry happens not in the church, actually on Sunday mornings through a few people, but outside the church and community. The church should not be an audience gathered around one personality, but a place of training and empowering and sending. Out of the 40 miracles that happened in the book of Acts, how many happened in the building? Do you guys know? One happened in the building. 39 happened outside the building. That's crazy. That means we should only be, you know, walking in 140th of the power here, 39 out there. It's about sending people out. But it's important that we have both. In Acts 2, 46-47, it talks about the early believers coming together, forming the first church, um, as they are the church. They, they worshipped in the synagogue, in the temple, and then they, worked, they came together in homes daily. So it's two sides of the coin, meeting in the corporate place to worship and then meeting in the homes every day, breaking bread, talking, praying for one another. So we want both of those things. Functioning as an army in Oxford Vineyard looks like everyone gets to play. Everybody can be trained and given the opportunity to hone skills in partnering with the Holy Spirit alongside others and become empowered to go way further than they could on their own. Go way further than they could on your own. Our mission is to disciple a church of passionate lovers of Jesus. To walk daily, not just Sunday mornings, daily in the power, presence, and love of the Holy Spirit. Destroying the works of the enemy to advance his kingdom and his culture on earth as it is in heaven and in Oxford. The vision is transforming Oxford with the kingdom of heaven to fulfill prophetic destiny to send people, to send people to the nations and to the nation. So go back to that chart, could you, Parker? So the church is functioning as a family all throughout, all throughout that space, building relationships, serving, multiplying, functioning as a family on a mission. And as it also functions as a hospital for those visiting, for those not yet in. For, and it functions when we're in the army too, right? When we get hurt, we come back and we got to go in the hospital. It's important to, to, to know what these things are. And, and assimilation, that word there, it's just, that's just our system's way of saying bringing people who are guests and family friends into the family inviting them in. It's an invitation to become part of, of whatever you want to be part of in this thing. But the, but the ultimate thing is to serve and then go out and multiply it. That's what we want to do. And so before I end, I just want to go back to what I said um, real quick about the church, about being hurt by the church. Because um, we want to f- I feel like the Holy Spirit's really wants to heal people in that space. If you've been hurt by the church or you've been hurt by people in the church, you've been hurt by things about the church. The truth is that we have to love the church as a whole. There's not an option there. We always have to love her. Um, we have to support her. She's always going to be our family. And we're always going to have to call her to Jesus and look more like Jesus in every way. And there's things that the church has done over the years that's not good, right? Like we, there are things that the church has done that's not good for the past 2,000 years, and we don't have to be silly or blind that say that it's perfect, 
or pretend that it isn't without flaws because she certainly is. Um, but we, you know, sometimes the hardest truth is acknowledging the scars and the seeing it, the ugly parts, and but also marveling at its resiliency and believing that it's it's magnificent at the same time, because Jesus calls it magnificent. He calls it his bride, and he thinks it's beautiful. Like I said, the church is a family. Um, it's not perfect. It can be messy. We can run into each other. People in tight spaces bump into each other, right? Kids fight. They bite each other when they're toddlers. I'm not saying right. I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying it's okay. I'm just saying it's a reality. Over the years, I've talked to a lot of people who have been hurt by the church, and I myself have been as well. And it's easy to to talk to pretty much any group of people and say how the, see how the church has hurt them. <laughs> it's pretty easy to to talk to any group in in one way or another. But but my my question is, how have you hurt the church? How have I hurt the church? We don't ask that question very often. How have we hurt the church? And we talk about the church doing harm, but opting out and leaving her is not actually helping anyone. Yourself least of all. Um, Scripture says that the Holy Spirit sets us up in the body as he sees fit. Not as we see fit, as he sees fit. And, And he gifts us as gifts to those around us. Like we have spiritual gifts, but he gifts us as the gifts to the people around us. And so when we, when we opt out, we're actually robbing the people around us from those gifts that Jesus wants to give his bride. And so we don't want to do that. <laughs> so we're created to be in, rec- in relationship. And so we don't want to rob the body of the things God made us for and created us for. So we have to come back. We need to be healed. We need to forgive and release others. Maybe we need to ask for forgiveness. Jesus has chosen you and I to be his image bearers, and so we do that together. We show the multifaceted God together. In fact, God's full plan is revealed through weak people like you and me. Ephesians 3.10 says that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God would be revealed. The manifold wisdom of God might be made known to rulers, authorities, in the heavenly places. God has chosen us to show off his wisdom and his glory and his power and his love, not just to the earth, but to the entire spiritual realm. Think about that. That blows my mind. The entire spiritual realm who, who has seen God, right, has seen him, and he's chosen us to reveal himself to the spiritual realm. That's crazy if you think about that. <laughs> it's, it's like it's, it's so far... My mind is blown when I think about that, that he's chosen us to reveal to the spiritual realm what he's like and the fullness of his wisdom and power and his glory. It's vital that the church learns to function as a hospital, not just a family, not just as an army. And it's vital that the people get healed. I love this quote. Um, The church, this is the church. Here she is, lovely, irregular, sometimes sick, sometimes well. This is the body like no other that God is shaped and placed in the world. Jesus lives here. His soul, it is his soul's address. There's a, lot of, there's a lot to be thankful for, all things considered. She has been taken a beating in the church. Every day she meets the gates of hell and she prevails. Every day she serves, stumbles, injures, and repairs. That she is healed is an underrated miracle. That she gives birth is beyond reckoning. Maybe it's time to make peace with her. 
Maybe it's time to embrace her flawed as she is. When we do that, we allow, to, we allow God to move again in his people. I love what Ricardo said about expectancy and, 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 and wanting God and, and that hunger and that space where, we want to, where he wants to fill us up. We want to see those things happen. We want to see healing happen. And when we, when we see healing happen, when the Lord begins to fill that, that vacuum, that whole faith and expectancy rise up. They rise up. I was listening to this teacher, this guy, maybe get, some of you have heard, him, heard of him, Carl Tuttle. He was back in the, the vineyard back in the day and wrote a lot of good songs, and I've been getting a lot of good stuff from him. He was part of the vineyard movement when it first started, maybe even before the Wimbers, and he told this story about the early days when people would come filled with faith and expectancy, so much that it was like buzzing in the room, like the feeling of it was buzzing in the room, um, and people would get to the parking lot from church and run from their cars to get in. Not because like they wanted to get there before it started, but because they were so hungry for what was happening, what God was doing in the room, what he was doing in the people, they would run from their cars to the building to get in there. And they used to, he and John and Carol would sit out and watch the people running from their cars in because they, were, they saw the expectancy coming in. And I, we want that expectancy. It doesn't have to look exactly the same, but we want that faith and expectancy in this place. This is just me, but if we don't get there someday, I'm going to wonder what it's all about. <laughs> like, why do we, why we do this? If you're not going to fill it, God, we want you to fill this place. You've got to get hungry for his presence, filling this place and filling us up to overflowing. And the wonderful thing about hunger is that he creates it and he intends to fill it. He creates it and he intends to fill it. So let's all stand up. I'm going to pray. We're going to do some communion. Um, and worship together. But I just want you guys to, wherever you're at, just position yourselves to, to the Lord. Close your eyes. Put your hands out if you want. Whatever it is, just position yourself to the Lord. Lord, we thank you. God, we thank you. Thank you for your goodness and your kindness in our lives. God, I thank you that you're pursuing us. You're pursuing your bride. Thank you for creating a hunger so that you can satisfy us, God. You give us vision and purpose for life that we can never have outside of you. Jesus, we love you. We, we ask that you would grow our capacity to love one another even more. I ask that you would meet us wherever we are and you would do that work within us, God. You would heal, heal what needs to be healed, God. You would wash what needs to be washed, God, in our souls. Move us into what you have for us, God. Bring us into deeper relationship with your family, God. Heal minds, heal bodies, heal broken places. Bring your life, set captives free, God. Break off chains, root out any bitterness. Bring joy, Holy Spirit. Bring your joy. Bring the joy that Jesus carried when he was walking on the earth. We say yes to you, God. We give you our yes in advance. 
even though it might be painful, we say yes to you. We say yes to your healing. We say yes to your family. Yes to your kingdom. Yes to everything you've called us to, God. Empower your people, Jesus, to be your representatives on earth. To show off who you are and what you're like for the glory of your Father. This is all about you, God. Holy Spirit, give us supernatural love for Jesus. You're the only one worthy of our time and our attention, God. Inhabit our praises this morning, God. Meet us in communion, God, as we partake of your your blood and your body together. I invite your tangible presence, God, to fill the space, to unite our hearts in worship and shake this place, God. We say yes to you. Amen.